But what we are doing is, uh, we, as Pastor Jared has been going through the book of Mark, I wanted to honor uh, that series that he is doing. Uh, so we are going to be in Mark again this morning, Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11 is where we are going to be. And again, the pastor has been taking different passages from each of the chapters. Uh, we are now in Mark 11. And looking at Mark 11, trying to figure out what would blend in very well. We're going to be in Mark 11, 1 through 11. 1 through 11. And what I want to talk to you about this morning is from cradle to coronation. From cradle to coronation. Now, when you take a look at this message, and if you're already beginning to look there at your scriptures, you're thinking to yourself, well, this is more like a Palm Sunday type of message, and you would be correct in that. This was a story about his triumphal entry there into Jerusalem, but I think with those of us who look through the eyes of faith, we can certainly see this more of a humble coronation than a triumphal entry. And as we move away from Thanksgiving and into Christmas, I think this is a great transition passage. You see, we simply must know and understand and comprehend that Jesus was born to die. Jesus was born to die. In fact, if you take a look back at chapter 10, the second part of verse 45, it tells us here in the scriptures that Jesus said of himself that he came to give his life as a ransom for many. That first advent when or the first coming of when Jesus was born there uh, in Bethlehem. But now, many years later, the people are ready to make them their king, to make him their king. But sadly, that came with a catch, and we will talk a bit about that. Now, we all cannot be like Ricky Bobby from Talladega Nights and take a look at sweet baby Jesus all the time. You see, the Christ child that was born so long ago is now the coming king. Jesus refused to compromise his mission, compromise any tradition, popularity, controversy, misunderstanding, nor even the threat of death, because Jesus knew what he had in front of him, and that was the cross. The people did not fully understand who he really is. They did not understand his life. They would not understand his death. And they certainly would not understand his resurrection nor his coming again until the spirit of the living God came upon the people. There were very, very few that recognized what would happen to Jesus within the next week. But praise be to God. We have the power of the Holy Spirit that has revealed unto us the things that happened to our Lord. We have the revelation of the scriptures that we can read about as true history. Things that actually and really happened. So with that, I would invite you again to turn to Mark chapter 11. Mark 11 verses 1 through 11. And the Bible says this. Now when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, and he said unto them, Go to the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has set. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it. 
and immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside on the street, and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, What are you doing loosing this colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded them. So they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before him and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked all around at these things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Would you bow with me in prayer? Almighty and gracious God, Lord, we come today to worship you. We come to worship the one who was born so long ago as the Christ child. But Lord, we come to worship you as the risen king. Lord, let there be no doubt in our lives about the authority that you have over us. Let there be no doubt or wavering of faith in our lives, God. Let us stay strong and close in our faith to you. Help us as we walk in our daily lives to recognize that you are King Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Four things that I want us to take a look at this morning. The very first one of these is the king's authority. The king's authority. And we see that in verses 1 through 6. It tells us that as they approached Jerusalem. You see, Jesus was not uh, only approaching Jerusalem from a geographic sense. He was approaching the end of his life from a chronological sense. You see, this sets us up to a point where Jesus is now within the final week of his life. He and he alone is the one who put the events into place. He and he alone is the one that possessed the authority to set events into motion by simply sending off a couple of disciples to fetch a young donkey at this time. He had the authority over the events. It was not the Pharisees, it was not the scribes, it was not the Sanhedrin, it was not the disciples themselves. Jesus and Jesus alone was sovereign. Jesus is sovereign, and Jesus will always be sovereign. And it tells us that he took a young, or that the disciples took this young colt, or in some of the other um, passages, we can also identify it as a young donkey. We know that it was unwritten. And that it had never been unyoked before. And it was these types of animals that within the Jewish tradition often had a very holy purpose. Again, those that had never been unridden or those that had never been unyoked. Let me give you a few examples. Back in Numbers chapter 19, it dealt with the laws of purification in dealing with these types of animals. Over in Deuteronomy chapter 21... They were actually used to help make amends for unsolved murders. And in 1 Samuel chapter 6, we see the unyoked animals as being those that pulled the Ark of the Covenant. 
You see, throughout the Jewish timeline, it was unyoked and unridden animals that were set aside for holy purposes. And there was no difference in this particular case here on this particular day when Jesus would set upon this young donkey that had never been ridden before. And you can see how he exercised authority over that as well. In verse 3, he basically said, And if anyone challenges you about taking this donkey, you simply say this to them, The Lord has need of it. The Lord has need of it. Everything that we see in those following verses, 4, 5, and 6, turned out exactly as Jesus had told them. And it was all dealing because of the king's authority to set into motion the events of his final week here on this earth. There's a second thing that we see as well as we progress on through these passages. And we see that there in verses 7 and verse 8. And we see the king's arrival. The king's arrival. For whatever the reason... Jesus chose not to walk. This was a man who had walked everywhere with his disciples before. But there was a reason he chose this methodology on a donkey. You see, it was for specifically the fulfillment of Scripture. There was a prophecy that had been pronounced 500 years earlier. We see that in the book of Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9. Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9. The Bible tells us about this prophecy. And it says this. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. That is a word for Jerusalem there. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. You see, there was something about his arrival that was the fulfillment of prophecy as well. His whole entire life was the fulfillment of prophecy. And we see here in just this one short passage, another prophecy that had been fulfilled that was set 500 years earlier. We see that the people had cut down the palm leaves. We see that clothes were being laid out. And this was a way for people to recognize the coming of their king. This was how they acclaimed what would happen to one that was pronounced as king. And this was his arrival. These were signs of respect and submission. So let me go ahead and pause here for just a little second. Before we press on, I want to do a little sermon within a sermon. Now, I would like to take credit for this one, but I found it in the notes of an old Bible that I had. So it was obviously came from a little uh, time ago in my life from a pastor that I sat in under. And it basically said this, uh, we need to be like the donkey. We need to be like the donkey and basically show humility to our new king. And there were three things that I had written down in the leaf of my Bible that talked about how we could be like the donkey. The first one of these is we are needed. We are needed. Now, of course, technically, because of Jesus' divinity, uh, he doesn't need anything. However, he has chosen each and every one of us 
to be ministers for him. He has chosen each and every one of us to worship him and to worship him alone. We are needed just like the donkey was. A second thing that we can learn from this donkey is we are to be under his control. We are to be under his control. You see, that colt had never been ridden before. It had never been yoked. It was unbroken. But it was broken by Jesus himself. And you see, Jesus wants to break each and every one of us because Jesus wants to have full control over our lives. And oh, by the way, we should want to have Jesus in full control over our lives as well. And then there's a third and final thing that we can learn about this donkey. We are to carry Jesus. We are to carry Jesus. You see, the colt carried Jesus to Jerusalem and to a multitude of people that were in Jerusalem that day. In fact, they were there celebrating the Passover. And it is said that the population of Jerusalem would swell to three times its normal size. Hundreds of thousands of people would be in Jerusalem at this particular point in time. We can only imagine hundreds, if not thousands, of those people were taking part in this little procession that was led by Jesus sitting on this donkey. And just as that little colt carried Jesus to Jerusalem, we also are to carry Jesus to the multitudes of people that we come into contact with every day of our lives. Now back to our regularly scheduled sermon. That one was free. You don't even have to pay for that one. The crowd had to be absolutely remarkable. And you can imagine what some of those Roman centurions that were there guarding Jerusalem during this time. Like I had mentioned, the population swelled during the Passover. So Rome had sent in extra guards. And you can imagine many of these guards and these centurions and the commanders over these centurions, they had participated in parades before. They had participated in kings coming in for their coronation. And their kings would be riding in on these huge stallions. And behind them would be all of the loot And behind them would be all of the slaves. And behind them would be all the things that they captured during their conquest. And you can imagine what was going through the lives of these centurions as they're looking over and seeing, here's Jesus and maybe a few hundred, possibly a few thousand, some Bible scholars think, of people around him riding in on this little donkey. They probably had their hands gripped on their swords, but probably smiling at the same time. Like, why are we spending our time here in Jerusalem for this? But you see, God had something important to go on. This was the man who had healed the sick. This was the man who caused the blind to see. This was the man who had cast out demons. This was the man who had raised the dead back to life. This was the man who was born in Bethlehem and raised in Nazareth and grew up in the realm Galilee. This was the proclaimed Messiah and he had come for his people. And the people were recognizing him as their king. This man's arrival was that of the one and true king for the Jews. 
and they were ready for something big to happen in their lives, and they wanted something great coming out of this man, and they were excited to be a part of it. But in just a few short days, the same crowd who was so excited and ready to proclaim him as King of kings and Lord of lords, they would turn their backs on their king, King Jesus, because it was not what they wanted. They wanted something else, and I'll get to that in just a moment. The great theologian of our day and time, John MacArthur, describes his arrival as not on a majestic stallion or in a royal chariot, but on a young donkey. Not in great wealth, but in extreme poverty. Not in grandeur, but in meekness. Not to slay Israel's enemies, but to save the world. Not for external peace in the world, but for eternal peace with God. His incarnation was not glorification, but it was humiliation. You remember, Jesus had stepped down from the highest realms of heaven and humbled himself to take on the form of a young baby. And now, 33 years later or so, here he was in the last week of his life. And this was his time of coronation. To that last point about glorification and humiliation, I simply add this. His second coming is going to be nothing but glory. And there's going to be no mistakes about it. And it is my prayer, brothers and sisters, that you have your life right with Jesus before that happens. We see the king's authority, the king's arrival, and then the third thing that we see in verses 9 and 10 is the king's acclamation. The king's acclamation. Here are the people saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That word Hosanna simply translates into save now. And here it's being used as a shout of acclamation. They're coming conquering king. They're ready to crown him. But the crowd was interested in something more than what Jesus was ready to give them. The crowd was interested in the physical. The crowd was interested in the national. They wanted to put off the Roman Empire. They were not necessarily concerned about that which was most important, and that was their spiritual lives. However, Jesus was not going to use his supernatural power to be the conquerors of Romans. It was not God's plan at this particular time. You see, he had a greater role than conquering Israel's enemies. He came to conquer sin and death. And the grave. And that, ladies and gentlemen, he did upon his resurrection. The people in that crowd had something that they wanted. They wanted Jesus to do what they wanted Jesus to do. How many times in our lives have we been guilty of the same things? When we cry out to God, saying, God, do this for me. God, make this happen for me. God, bless me in this particular way. Folks, we just need to let God be God and let God do His thing. 
If God wants to bless us, then God will bless us. And God can bless us in so many unique and different ways. And this is why I get so irritated so much when I hear about the health and wealth type of gospel that is being preached out in some of our churches today. Like they can pray and fast and force God to do something for them. And that exactly is what the crowd was wanting in this particular case for Jesus. They wanted to force Jesus to be their type of a king, not what he came to do. Going on into verses, the second part of 9 and going down to 10, it talks about, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Brother Eric read that earlier in the service. It comes from Psalm 118, uh, verses 25 and 26. It's part of a much, much greater passage. Um, there are six psalms that go together, starting with Psalm 113 and going up to Psalm 118. And within the Jewish tradition, these are known as the halal. And these six psalms were sung very oftentimes during religious festivals that were going on. And of course, the Passover was one particular one of these. The crowd was right in proclaiming that he was the Messiah. The crowd was correct in proclaiming that he was their deliverer. But again, we must remember the kingdom that he came to establish was not of this world. He was more concerned than the external things that are out there. Jesus came because he was concerned about the internal and the eternal things of man. Their words were correct, but sadly, their hearts were not. He came not to be crowned. He came to be crucified. The fourth and final point as we press on for this morning is in verse 11. The king's assessment. The king's assessment. The Bible simply tells us this. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. None of us in here can even really imagine the things that had to be going on in the mind of Christ at that particular point in time. Think about the events of that day. The crowd was there. Again, hundreds, if not thousands, proclaiming that He was the king. And they were there with him throughout most of the day. And they're thinking, this man is going to make it happen now. He's going to overthrow the Roman Empire. He is going to set up, and we are going to be the Israel of old. And we're going to make him our king. And it's going to be like David was. It's going to be like Solomon was. When the kingdom was great, that's what we want. That's our Jesus. But that's not what Jesus came for. And as the day drug on, you can tell people just started leaving. They got tired of waiting around to do the things that they thought Jesus was going to do for them. They just kept leaving and they kept leaving. And it tells us there 
that at the end, it was just he and his disciples again. You see, Jesus came not only as the great high priest going into that temple. He knew that he would be the sacrifice just a few days later. That sacrifice would be for your sins. That sacrifice would be for my sins. Because we are so unworthy to do anything of our own accord. And it simply tells us that that night, he returned back to Bethany with his closest followers. And they stayed with him. The things that had to be going through the mind of our Lord and Savior that day are probably incomprehensible to us. And him knowing why he was born from that cradle some 33 years earlier to this coronation that just happened that day to knowing why he was born and that was simply to die. That he would be a ransom for many. That he would be that once and for all great sacrifice on our behalves. As we get ready to close out things this morning, let me just ask you a question. Can we seriously, in our Christian walk, be cheering for Jesus one day and be embarrassed by him the next day? I think this stands guard as a very strong warning for us in the church. That we cannot give some, super, super, some sort of superficial acclaim towards Jesus. That we come in to worship Him on Sunday, and as they say, live like the devil Monday through Saturday. That does not work. And if that's the way that you're living out your life, I simply say to you, you need to question your faith. Your faith in Christ begins a beautiful new creation inside of you. God came down voluntarily to this earth. Allowed His Son, Jesus Christ, to be born. And He has come into our lives that have accepted Him. We can't define Christ as we want him like the crowd did. We can't say, give me health, give me wealth. We can't say, give me worldly things. We can't even say, give me happiness. All we can simply say is, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You see, he conquers by spirit and not by might. He is the king and he is the one who chooses how to be defined, not us. And my request for you this day as we get ready to close out is simply to make him your king today. Would you stand and bow with me in prayer?